Almighty Heavenly Father, we come into your presence this morning and we rejoice to be in your presence. We rejoice to be in front of your word. God, hear us now and open our eyes and ears. Help us to see in your word that which will make us like you. Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to know you better so that we will love you and trust you more and that we will be like you. God, the Spirit, we acknowledge that it is only through you working in us and through us and for us that we can be the men and women of God you have created us to be and we long to be. Bless us, Spirit, so that we will be a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm a guy who believes in authority. Now, we shouldn't blindly follow just any authority. But if someone has training and experience in something, why would you not seriously consider their take on whatever it is you're dealing with? Obviously, this can be taken to an extreme. But if you use your mind, if you consider what the doctor or plumber or electrician has to say to you, you'll probably be better off. Of course, you will find on the net a vast array of people who call themselves experts or authority in whatever field, and they're simply beholden to a specific ideology. Whole fields of knowledge have this problem today. They're not interested in how the world actually works. I tend to trust these authorities less. Because knowledge, real understanding of how the world actually works is the only source of genuine authority. Knowledge, the understanding of something and the do-it knowledge, the getting something done knowledge, this is what counts as authority. Nothing else does. Well, nothing else ought to celebrity commercials notwithstanding. And when it comes to having actual understanding as well as the getting it done knowledge, no one surpasses Jesus. Not even close. When you pray to Jesus, you are praying to the wisest, most intelligible, intelligent, capable, and giving person in the universe who is willing and able to help you in any and every situation. Jesus understands you. He knows what makes you tick. He gets how you feel. Jesus recognizes all your fears and failures and dreams. He acknowledges all your best qualities and hopes and longings. He knows your sin and still he is willing to hear and answer your concerns. Best of all, he loves you and is therefore both willing and able to help you through this struggle. So, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. This is the big idea of our passage this morning, which we find in Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Jesus went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. 
And as Jesus reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. My friends, this morning, whatever your struggles, whatever your past, whatever your desires, wherever you have been, wherever you think you are going, follow Jesus. Trust Jesus with your illness. Trust Jesus with your fears. Trust Jesus with your unemployment. Trust Jesus with your hopes. Wherever you go, follow Jesus. One of the great things about Jesus is that he isn't partial to anyone, nor is he partial against anyone. Understand something crucial. Jesus created everyone. Therefore, the differences between human beings is something Jesus celebrates. He made us like this. We can praise Jesus while we're following him. Once when G Jaron, my oldest, was very young, we were sitting at the table and eating, and Donna said something to him about how he is just like her. Jaron looked at me and said, I'm sorry, Papa. I looked at Jaron and I said, Son, I love your mama. It pleases me that you are like her. God looks at you and says, I made you the way I wanted you. It pleases me that you are like you are. Never forget something. Jesus loves you exactly as you are, and he loves you too much to leave you as you are. He wants to make you, by his grace, to be the best version of yourself you can be. When you follow Jesus, you become the best version of yourself possible. When you follow Jesus, you make the best use of your gifts and talents. When you turn your back on Jesus, you unnecessarily limit yourself to mediocrity or worse. So, follow Jesus. Don't miss this. You, whoever you are, are invited. You are welcome. So come, follow Jesus. Your prodigal child is welcome to come. So plead with her. Follow Jesus. Come just as you are. Follow Jesus. Let's see how this is expressed in our passage. Verses 13 and 14. Jesus went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. It appears that the person Mark and Luke calls Levi is the same as Matthew, as Matthew identifies himself in his gospel. Apparently, he was a local tax collector. 
Matthew would sit at the boundary of the city on a road that led either from the region to the north or perhaps it led on the road from the fishing port that was just outside of town. And he would charge the locals or the traders coming into town, whatever excise he could get, whatever he could get from them, to send the proceeds to Jerusalem and, frankly, his own pockets. Now, this made him very unpopular with the local population. Collecting taxes for Herod Antipas and using the local soldiers to make sure he got his cut can't help you make friends and influence people. He would be cast out of the synagogue, be referred to as a sinner. Now we know from extra-biblical sources that a sinner was the word that was just a general term that meant anyone or everyone who for whatever reason, was cast out of the synagogue. These people, like Levi, were outcasts. They were untouchables. They were hated, feared, unwelcomed. Except, apparently, by Jesus. These are the people exactly who Jesus touched, who Jesus loved, who Jesus embraced, who Jesus welcomed. Perhaps we should follow Jesus in that. But I have a question. Why on earth would Jesus, this young upstart rabbi, even consider putting someone like Matthew or Levi on his team? As a matter of fact, that question is the reason for this paragraph. Jesus isn't partial to anyone for any reason, but he calls everyone who is willing to hear. Today, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done or failed to do, you are invited. You are welcomed. You can follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Come to Jesus. Go to the good news of God's Son and learn from Him firsthand. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, one chapter a day. Go through it over and over again. Know Jesus. Pray and ask Jesus to meet you there as you do. Seek Jesus. Find Jesus. How do you do this? First of all, read the Bible slowly. Read for understanding. Don't simply let the words pass under your eyes. Read the Bible consistently. Read it every day so that you'll grow in your ability to understand what has happened. Read the Bible humbly. Not to get all your questions answered, but just to find Jesus. To follow Jesus. And then find people who are doing the same thing, who long to meet him as he is and share his love with you. Go to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Why? Why should we follow Jesus? It's because he is willing to follow you where you and your friends are. He is willing to engage you and your friends right where you're at, not where you should be. Verse 15. As Jesus reclined 
at table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Jesus partied with sinners and tax collectors. Now I'll leave it to your imagination what Jesus did there, but the point is that Jesus knew where he needed to be. Jesus knew he needed to be where he was welcomed. Now, evidently, the good people, the people who thought they had it all together, the religious leaders in this case, did not appreciate the handout that Jesus offered. They did not welcome him. But the outcasts did. The people who knew they had nothing to offer. So Jesus went to where his uncouth, outcast followers were. Not one, not no one, not anyone, not abortionists, not homeless, not atheists or agnostics, not the rich, not the impoverished, not red, yellow, black, or white. No mother's child on earth is beyond the pale when it comes to the open invitation of Jesus Christ. Follow Jesus. Are you willing to extend Jesus' invitation to the least of these? Here's an idea. Go where you, yourself, are welcomed. Do you have a hobby or a special interest? Go to wherever it is that people talk about that. There will be undoubtedly Christians there. They will welcome you because they like building dolls or collecting coins or looking through telescopes. And while you're there, while you're with them talking about astronomy, welcome them into your life. As they get to know you, they will not be able to miss that you love Jesus. Now some will be repulsed. Some will be compelled. Jesus is willing to follow you wherever you go. Wherever it is that it's natural for you to be. When you follow Jesus, wherever you are, wherever you go, other people are going to notice. They will see that Jesus is willing to meet them wherever they are, no matter what their foibles or peccadillos is. Now this idea of sharing or loving with the least of these, is illustrated in one of Jesus' most important stories, the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, in this story, we learn to follow Jesus in his love for our neighbor, our near one, and he shows us this by using the least likely example he could think of, a Samaritan. Or, as we might be tempted to say, an abortionist. In Luke chapter 10, a lawyer asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was. The answer is, love God and love your neighbor. But there's a problem with this answer, thought the lawyer. Who's my neighbor? So Jesus answered, whoever is near you and in need. My neighbor is whoever is near me and who is in need. Jesus chose to illustrate his story by saying, a Samaritan, someone as 
popular to the Jews as an abortionist might be to evangelical Christians. He illustrated this by giving a story about how an abortionist was walking down the road and he found this generally good guy, someone who agrees with you on all your political and religious opinions, who had been left for dead by robbers and then ignored by the religious heroes of the day. And so this abortionist helped this good guy by giving him medicine and by paying for his recovery while she went about her work in the town she was traveling to. Don't you want to be like this abortionist? Now, you hear the friction, don't you? Wait, what? Who is the hero of your story, Jesus? Again, everyone, every single person created by God is created by God, and Jesus is desperate to reach us. Jesus wants the abortionists and the Samaritans to follow him. The question is, do you want the abortionists and Samaritan to follow him? Do you believe that you can follow Jesus? No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, Here's the proof. You are welcome. You are invited to follow Jesus. Because no one, not anyone, not BLM agitators or right-wing militia, not atheists or agnostics, not murderers or Mother Teresa, not red, yellow, black, or white, no mother's child on earth is beyond the pale when it comes to the open invitation of Jesus. But why bring this particular story up? Well, to answer that, look at how Jesus finishes this story. Speaking about the religious leaders who refuse to help the generally good guy in need and the abortionists who actually stop to help, Jesus says this to the lawyer. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. You go and do as the abortionists did in this story. The religious leaders speaking to Jesus could not bring himself to say the Samaritan. Instead, he said, the man who showed him mercy. Jesus replied, don't you want to be like this Samaritan? Don't you want to be like this abortionist? Don't you want to do like the abortionist did in this story? Follow Jesus. Now, this story in Luke 10 was told to illustrate that we are to love our neighbor. We are to joyfully sacrifice for the good of those who are near us. Now, very often you'll hear me say, instead of saying neighbor, I use the phrase near one. I do this for a couple of reasons. First of all, because it shakes us up. We, we expect to hear neighbor, and if we hear near one, we're not expecting it. We, when we see or hear something different than normal, we notice it. We pay attention. Your neighbor, in Jesus' usage, is whoever it is that is near you and in need. But secondly, the man who was beaten and left for dead on the road was not the Samaritan's neighbor. They didn't live next door to each other. 
this good guy just happened to be near the Samaritan at that moment. So the Samaritan, the abortionist, showed this good guy compassion. He showed him mercy. Don't you want to imitate the love that this Samaritan abortionist showed? Don't you want to follow Jesus? Follow Jesus. Now the point of the whole story, and one of the points of the calling of Levi in Mark 2, where we're at today, is that no one, not anyone, is so far from grace that they cannot turn around and see Him face to face. Levi strayed. The Samaritan, for that matter, strayed. He was lost. But Jesus came. Now He's found. The good guy lying in the road was near dead, but Jesus picked him up and helped him in the guise of a hated Samaritan abortionist. I was lost, but now I'm found. Are you lost? You can be found too. Be like Jesus. Follow Jesus. As I said, love is the joyful willingness to sacrifice for the good of your near one. And this is exactly what Jesus showed us to do. And he expects that you and I will follow Jesus. Leaving Luke and back to Levi and the outcasts with him who welcomed Jesus just as heartily as the Pharisees rejected him. We read in verses 16 and 17. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to Jesus' disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. A couple of things strike me here. First of all, the Pharisees did not ask Jesus their question. They asked his disciples. Let's cast doubt. Let's sow seeds of discord. Let's cause trouble. And secondly, the Pharisees didn't even ask a question. They questioned. The difference is important. When you ask a question, you want information. You want to know how or why something happened. When you question, you accuse. You try to shame. You try to make yourself look good at another's expense. But Jesus heard, and Jesus answered. Jesus knew the barbs of the questioning. Jesus also knew the reason that he came. The reason, that reason meant that he needed to tell as many people as he could, you are welcome to follow me. Tax collectors, prostitutes, pastors and priests, rabbis, imams, bully and bullied, Antifa and Nazis, vegans and people eating tasty animals, all are invited, all are welcomed to follow Jesus. Because there are only two things you can do here on earth that you cannot do in heaven. One is sin. And the other is to share the good news of Jesus with those who do not yet know it. No matter what they look like. 
no matter where they come from. If they're near you, you are to love them the best you can and expect Jesus to work through you to bring them into the kingdom. You know why? Because none of us, no matter where we've been, no matter what direction we are headed, none of us are too far from Jesus. All of us have a next step to take to be with Jesus. And we're all invited. We're all welcomed to follow Jesus. Why? Because we're all sick. When Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, because, but those who are sick. And then he paralleled that with the next statement, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He was telling you and me that if we're willing to admit we're sick, we're willing to admit that we're sinners. We're willing to admit that we don't have it all together. If you and I are actually willing to listen to constructive criticism and friendly feedback, then you and I are qualified to follow Jesus. I've been to doctor's offices. They're only marginally more fun than lawyer's offices. Now, I don't want to go to a doctor's office unless I have to. Then I really want to go because I want to get well. So Jesus compares himself to a doctor, a physician who's willing to cure your greatest ill. Jesus is willing to forgive your every sin. Are you interested? It's going to involve pain. It's going to involve embarrassment. It's going to involve getting your hands and heart dirty because the people you run into won't look like you. They won't do the things you do. But oh my goodness, you don't clean a fish before you catch it. Instead, you go to the doctor's office. In this case, the doctor's office is the cross of Jesus. The cure for your illness, the cure for my sin is found on the cross. It is the cross of Christ that gives us the double cure to save us from wrath and to make us pure. And every man, woman, and child is welcome there. No matter where you've been or where you're headed, no matter what you have done or what you didn't do, you are welcome you're willing to accept the pardon that's offered at the cross, you are able to follow Jesus. At the cross, the wrath of God against your sin is spent. It is finished. And at the cross, the grace needed to become the man or woman you as a Christian long to be was purchased. Now it is simply yours. It is yours simply for the asking. So ask. And follow Jesus. My friends, Jesus is the authority of what living well in this world is. Jesus is the authority on how to go about living this life. Follow Jesus. He knows how the world actually works. He knows how you work. Follow Jesus.
So if you are not yet a Christian, follow him to the cross. Say, Jesus, I am a sinner and I need the payment you made for me, for my penalties, to to bring me back to God, to give me a relationship with him. God, I, I turn away from my sins and I turn towards you. And if you are a Christian, go to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me because I have been unwilling to go to my neighbors. I have been unwilling to get my hands and my heart dirty. Let me follow you to those who need to hear your good news. Make me like you, Jesus. Let me follow you. And God, for all of us, we all need to hear your love your peace, open our ears to it so that we may know and therefore love and trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.